There you go. Hi, great to see you. What a wonderful time of worship. So enjoyed that. Thanks, band, for just leading us so, so well. Really experiencing and enjoying God's presence together. We'll be talking about that a little bit more right now. But I wonder if you... Is it Christmas a long way away now? It's only a few weeks away, but it seems like a kind of a lifetime ago. But uh, I don't know if you uh, remember when you were younger, opening presents, really exciting. You've seen them under the tree for, for days, if not weeks, and there they've been. And then you kind of finally get to open them. And uh, you then see these dreaded words. I wonder if you can remember seeing them when you were, you were young. You kind of, you've got the toy that you always wanted, and uh, you turn it over, and what does it say on the back? Batteries not included. Oh, no. And if you're a parent, you'll then spend the next kind of, or uh, the rest of Christmas kind of frantically looking around in those kind of great drawers that you have with, the, with everything kind of helpful in there, rooting through and finding kind of dead batteries and old batteries and trying to find something to get these toys to do what they're supposed to do. You can play with them without batteries. You can push the car around and so on. But we really want the lights to shine. We want the headlights to go on the car. We want it to be able to move around as we control it on the remote control device. We want the doll to cry for some reason. We want the the lightsaber to, to light up for obvious reasons. We want the hair platter to rotate automatically and to produce those beautiful hairstyles. We want them to do what they've been designed to do. We want the, want the presence to function at their full potential. We want the batteries. We want the power, not just the, the form and the structure. And uh, what we're looking at this morning and we'll be finding to our great joy and delight is that the gospel comes with batteries included. It is a present and a, and a, a wonderful gift that comes with a, a gift, another gift of power to live it out to its full potential. That gift, of course, is the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I wonder if you turn with me now to Acts chapter 2, verse 38, just a couple of verses. We'll look at several more this morning, but here's our, here's our main verse and our focus. This is uh, Peter, in fact, has just received this gift along with many of the other disciples as they gathered there in this upper room. They've received this gift. The power has come uh, to live out the gospel and all that God has called them to. And they burst out onto the streets and they proclaim this message. This is the first time that was recorded that the gospel is proclaimed in all its fullness. He says this in verse 38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. So if you want to be saved, he says, in fact, these people, this crowd that has gathered as this extraordinary commotion comes and the disciples charge out of this upper room, and they're, they're speaking in other tongues, they're supernaturally declaring the praise of God in tongues and in languages that I don't know, heavenly languages, earthly languages, all kinds of languages. And the crowd gathers, and they be, Peter begins to share with them about Jesus and who Jesus was. And in fact, that the one they've crucified is the risen Lord of all, as we've been singing this morning. And they call out, they're cut to the heart, and they call out, what can we do to be saved? We've been living our lives aside from this Messiah, from this Lord. We've, 
In fact, we've been part of putting him to death and crucifying. What can we do to be saved? And Peter says this, turn from your rebellion, repent, turn from living life your way, turn to faith in Jesus and identify yourself with him and his life lived perfectly for you and his death on the cross paying for your sins and do that through baptism. We've got a kind of a, a baptism pool up here. And wonderful, it's a wonderful joy, isn't it, to see different ones as they come into faith in Jesus and they're plunged down into the waters and they rise again, really identifying with Jesus' death and his resurrection. And Peter's saying, if you, to be saved, turn from your sin, turn from your rebellion to faith in Jesus and identify with him and find in him the riches, the fullness of salvation that the Lord has for you. And of course, this... This word forgiveness, forgiveness of sins. What is forgiveness for? Forgiveness is a relational word. Forgiveness is a word, it's a, it's, a, it's a dynamic that brings us into relationship. And so as our sins are dealt with, as they are separated from us, so we are brought so near to God, in fact, knowing him as our heavenly father. This is the gospel that Peter proclaimed on that kind of uh, that first time when the Spirit was poured out. But it's, that's not the end of it. That's not the sum total of this wonderful, glorious news. The good news is more than that. This is a, that's a truncated version. Here's the, here's the bit, because the gospel doesn't come without batteries. The gospel comes with the power to live it out in all its fullness and its richness. And so he goes on, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. There's a gift that comes with the gift, and a gift of gift of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit who comes into our lives, who resides in us to light up the gospel and the work of Jesus in our lives, to make it living and active and make it move in us so that we can, we can live out the full riches of this gift in our lives, that we would know the forgiveness of God, not just as an abstract fact that we've heard. And we, yes, we trust but we know it as a freeing fact in our lives, a dynamic in our lives that brings us into a certainty of our sonship and this relationship that we have with God. Yes, yes, we have it, whether we kind of feel it or not, but there's a wonderful gift that comes in the person of the Holy Spirit that cries with our spirit, Abba, Father, such that we know that we're children of God. This is for you. This is for me. This is our inheritance. This is the gift that comes with this wonderful gift of the gospel to us, that we know with certainty the security of our sonship, that we know the presence of God with us as an experiential, emboldening, empowering reality. God with us, in us. This is the work of the Holy Spirit, this gift that's come with the gospel, battery that's included. And uh, I do find this analogy of batteries helpful, but there's a danger in it because we mustn't miss the personal nature of the Holy Spirit. We're brought into relationship, an experience of a relationship with God, a powerful dynamic of relationship with God as our Heavenly Father. This is not electricity. This is not just power. This is personal power and presence, the personal power and presence of God Almighty coming to dwell in us to share with us this relationship, this eternal relationship between Father and Son. Wonderful to worship, isn't it? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We're brought into that relational dynamic, that eternal, loving, joy-filled relationship that's always been there. We are brought into that by the Holy Spirit, this gift given to us 
Forgiveness comes, sin dealt with, and now brought into relationship that we can know the presence of God. The gospel comes with batteries included. And I say all these things, but of course we experience these things imperfectly. This side of Jesus' return. Some, some days we kind of perhaps, there's more of an experience than others. Some days different aspects are highlighted to us in different ways. But nevertheless, there is a tangible, tasteable reality that we are brought into as we receive this gift that comes with the gospel, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so we're starting this new series today. We re- as, a, as an eldership, we, we are thirsty for more of God amongst us. As a church, I believe, talking to different ones, we are thirsty for more of the Holy Spirit, more of God's presence and working amongst us. We thank God for those, those things that we see, those aspects of his presence, his manifestation that, that we see. Praise God. But we want more. It leaves us thirsty for more. And again, this side of Jesus' return, it'll always leave us with this prayer on our lips. More, Lord, more of you more of your power in our lives, more of your presence amongst us. So this new series, Life in the Spirit, really, we're looking to see the Holy Spirit move amongst us and light up the gospel in our lives, both individually and together. We want to be those that walk in the Spirit, that know life in the Spirit, in the mundaneness of life, and in the miraculous situations and events in our life, in the natural and in the supernatural in our prayers and praise, in our character and gifting. We want all these things saturated in the Spirit, in the Holy Spirit, lit up and made alive in God. We want our thinking and our doing to be full of the Spirit. We want our self-awareness, the way we think about ourselves, the way we understand ourselves to be saturated in the Spirit, and our relationships one with another to be full of the Spirit. We want our hearing and our speaking and our private lives and our public lives and our work and our recreation, our emotions, our reasoning, our celebrating and our grieving to be saturated in the work of the Spirit, to be lit up and alive in God and who he is, this gift that he's given us. We want our knowing God and our making him known to be empowered by the person of the Holy Spirit who is a gift to each and every one who is called by God, who knows the the Lord as their heavenly Father, and who has responded to the gospel, whose sins are forgiven, brought into relationship with God. This is a gift for you, and it will help us apply the reality of the gospel to our lives. If you think about the disciples, for them, and they weren't called Christians quite then, but they, they bought into following Jesus. He said, follow me, and so they gave up everything, and they followed him. For them, being a Christian was being with Jesus, the very presence of God. That's what it was for them. They lived with him, some, I mean, often 24-7. Every aspect of their lives is radically, was radically changed by being with Jesus. The things they saw, the things they did, their relationship with God, they spoke with God in the person of Jesus. And then one day, to their shock actually, he says to them, he's going away. They, they, they're following him, and he says, I'm going away. They've given up everything for him. He says, I'm going away. Then he comforts them with these words. He says, it's to your advantage that I go away. Can you imagine what must be coming? What, what, is, the, what, is, what is going to, to come? What, it, what is the benefit of Jesus going away? He says, it's your advantage that I go away. If I do not go away, the helper, the counselor, will not come to you. But if I go I will send him to you. Being a Christian, it was being with Jesus for them. And he says, I'm going away and I'm sending another and it's going to be to your advantage. 
What could that possibly be? And of course, the answer is that which is available to us, just as it was, as we'll find out, to them. It was the person of the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit given to them, that God himself would reside in them. He would be with them and in them. Of course, this was not totally new language to those that heard and to the disciples. The Spirit had been poured out in the past on individuals, special individuals for special times and special occasions. David and Saul and Balaam and Samson and so on. These special people, special times with special tasks. The Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit had empowered them and they'd done incredible things. You kind of read uh, through the Old Testament, you read about these battles that were won these uh, God's armies summoned, the prophecy, the very words of God spoken out by these individuals as the Holy Spirit came upon them. They did all kinds of amazing miracles, special people empowered by God to do special things. And many of them seemed not just to do powerful things, but to, to walk in an amazing intimate relationship with God. They heard him and they responded to what he said and they saw him work through them. Not just power, but they enjoyed his presence. It was there occasionally, here, there, just kind of inklings of something that was to come. Jesus himself, of course, received the Spirit. When he, when he was baptized, wasn't he? he? There he was, kind of by John, baptized, and he came up out of the water. And as you remember, if you read it, the Spirit came down on him as, like a dove. The Spirit descended upon him. Jesus himself was anointed by the Spirit. He was anointed by the Spirit for his, his ministry as the Son of God, the Son of God, the special per person for a special purpose, for a special task in a special time. He was anointed by the Spirit. And do you remember the kind of the, these words from heaven that were spoken as the Spirit came on him? This is my Son whom I love. In him I am well pleased. And this is so much at the heart of this dynamic of the Spirit. You see, as soon as the Spirit comes, there is this affirmation of sonship. This is my Son, this delight from heaven that comes. As the Spirit descends, that God the Father delights in his Son and affirms Jesus as his Son. And of course, he was going to need that for all that he was going to walk through. But, Eli but uh, Peter, before he actually kind of talks about this, this promise, this gift, he says, because they're kind of pouring out full of boldness and these miraculous things that they're saying, these languages. Everyone's hearing them in their own languages. As the disciples poured out of that upper room on the day of Pentecost, they, Peter says, let me explain this to you. So what is going on? Are these guys drunk? They said. They're acting so strangely and boldly and so full of joy. It kind of looks like they're drunk. What's going on? And Peter said, now this, this is what was promised by Joel. All through the Old Testament, there's this promise of the Spirit coming, and few individuals kind of receive something. But Joel looked forward to a time when it was on all people. God would pour out his Spirit on all flesh, on all of God's people, men and women and servants and everybody. Everybody would receive the Spirit. It would no longer be restricted to a few individuals amongst God's people, but poured out liberally. And Peter says, this time has now come. We have been filled with the Spirit, and this promise is for you. And of course, Jesus had talked about this promise too to the disciples. He said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. This is John 14, 16 to 18. And he will be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. He lives with you, and he will be in you. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit is going to come. 
I'm going to ascend to the Father. I'm going to pour out the Spirit. I'm going to give this gift to you. You're going to know my presence in a new, wonderful way in the person of the Holy Spirit. He said to them in Acts 1, 4-5, Wait, wait for the gift my Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. In a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This gift is coming. The Spirit's going to be poured out. It's to your advantage that I'm going away. But soon, he's coming. He's coming. And of course, in Acts, uh, Acts 2, they were then filled with the Spirit. But I find it interesting looking at Acts 1, first of all, before the pouring out of the Spirit. See, they were still kind of in Jesus' absence. They were gathering together, and they were praying. They were doing lots of good things, They placed a high value on God's word. If you kind of read the account, they were looking to God's word for instruction in terms of how they should conduct themselves in terms of appointing leaders and so on. They had matters of, uh, they were concerned about internal structure among themselves. And they knew they should be witnesses to the resurrection. They kind of, that was in their minds. They weren't doing it yet. And it's right in a way because Jesus said, wait, wait, wait. But there were a couple of things that were missing. Two key things that were missing from the disciples as they gathered that day. First, there isn't the presence of God among them. There's no present, felt, experienced, discernible presence of God with them. It's kind of like, um, I don't know if, if when you move house, um, I was just hearing about NC kind of moving, aren't we? But just imagine when you've boxed everything up and, you're, and it's all been moved and you're just there sometimes for those last moments before you leave and the house is empty and there's that echoey noise. You know, as you walk around the floor, you can hear it just echoing around. There's no furnishings anymore. You're not living there anymore. It's empty. Or when you go to a new house, it's empty. A house that's just kind of vacant. The walls are there. The structure's there. But it just doesn't feel like a home because there's no one living there. And there's something about these passages here in Acts 1, where it feels like that. There's an empty house there. They're doing what they should be doing. They're not not doing anything wrong, but something is missing. Someone is missing. That person is the person of God in in the Holy Spirit. The disciples, they, they followed Jesus. They wanted to be with Jesus. Everything about their life was being with Jesus, and he was no longer there. God was no longer present with them in the way that he had been, physically in the person of Jesus. They're they're trying to hear God, and they're trying to discern what they should do. In fact, they cast lots at one point to decide what's God's will in this matter of appointing leaders. And so they cast lots. And again, that's that's not wrong. That's that's one way that at that time, perhaps, they might try and understand what God was saying to them. But it's very impersonal, isn't it? There's no discernible voice of God amongst them. God's absence in, the, in that respect. So that's the first thing that's missing, it seems to me. The very presence of God amongst them, the voice of God, the power of God. And the second thing it seems to me that's missing is that, well, they're, they're feeling the responsibility of telling people about Jesus, but they're not telling people about Jesus. And again, it's not, not that it's wrong. We're just kind of discerning some of the differences between life before the Spirit came and life after the Spirit came in, uh, in God's kind of agenda and what he was doing and what he was working out here. And before the Spirit came, there was a, a knowledge that the resurrection was something to be shared, but they weren't doing it. And in fact, there was a strong smell of fear about the place. The doors were locked. Remember when Jesus had come to them earlier, the doors were locked for fear of the Jews. There was a great deal of fear about the place. 
They, Jesus, and at, right now, before, before the Spirit comes, I guess they're in great fear of their lives. Jesus has been crucified. It's a horrible thing to see. And I don't, if you kind of let your mind run, you can imagine what they were thinking. That, that could be us next. And so there was fear, and they knew they needed to tell people about Jesus, but they weren't yet doing it. And it's interesting that it can be possible today for Christians to be a bit like that, for us to be a bit like that, for churches to be a bit like this. But we don't want to be like that. We needn't be like that. They were biblical, but, but bookish in a way. There was structure, but little dynamic. God was revered, but there was a sense of his remoteness. He was distant from them. And mission was important, but not urgent. It was being put off for another time. But then that all changes as the, as the Spirit comes on the day of Pentecost. They're changed instantly. They're filled with the Spirit. And uh, let's reread the account in chapter 2 here, verses 2 and 4. Here as they're gathered, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. It's, it's like, I don't know if you like the noise of cars, you know, when you, you turn the ignition on, say a Ferrari, you turn the ignition on, and the, there's a petrol in the combustion chamber, and there's this wonderful roar and a noise that comes, like a, it's a musical instrument that suddenly starts to, to blow. There's God is in the house. God is back with his people. Suddenly, there's the power and the presence of God amongst these men and women. The fire and the wind and they, they, they saw them, they experienced them. These were real manifestations, but they speak, don't they? They're symbolic of the presence of God. You think of the pillar of fire and the pillar of smoke in the Old Testament, that God would lead his people. Now, this, this is the very presence of God that has come to dwell amongst his people. The lots that they use to determine God's will just kind of fall to the floor, and they trample their fear as they charge out the door. I kind of imagine them not unlocking it, but just kind of like in the cartoon, where they just kind of burst out the door and onto the streets. And when before there was a timidity, now there's this real boldness to declare this startling message. You crucified the Lord of, Lord of glory. I mean, what, that could have gone really bad for them. And in fact, things did get tricky later on, but there was such a, an excitement and a confidence and a power at work amongst, amongst them, excuse me, as God was there. God wanted to deliver his message through them, and he empowered them to do so. And of course, they delivered it in crystal clear fashion. There could be no ambiguity about what they were saying. Repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. And you too will receive this gift that we have received. And you'll come into this wonderful joy and boldness of the fullness of the gospel. Now, it could be, wouldn't it be a shame if that was a one-off? Wouldn't it be a shame if that was a kind of for them to kickstart the church and then it, it wasn't for the next generation, the next generation, and the next generation? But as we read on through Acts, we find that as Peter and John go to Samaria, the newly baptized believers there, they place their hands on them and they receive the Spirit, Acts 8. As uh, Peter preaches to the Gentiles, the, the Spirit of God came on all who heard the message. This is in Acts 10. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. As these, these non-Jews, as they heard the gospel, they began to respond to the gospel. They turned from their, their sin, from doing, doing life without God, and they put their trust in Jesus. The Spirit came upon them, just as it had come upon the disciples. 
In Ephesus, when Paul finds some disciples there, what he thinks might be disciples of Jesus, the first thing he asks them, what does he ask them? He kind of turn, turns the present over, as it were, to see what is, the, is the, what is the writing on the back there? Is it batteries not included? Or have these guys received the Spirit of God? Have they received? He asked them, did you receive the Spirit when you believe? Of course, it turns out they only knew John's baptism. And so after leading them to faith in Jesus and baptizing them, Paul places his hands on them in Acts 19. And the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. See, again, the same thing happened. It's repeated and repeated and repeated. This which was for special people for special times, prophesied by Joel, by Joel that would be for all flesh. Now, the Spirit of God comes upon those early disciples, and then one after another after another on different ones and different groups. The Holy Spirit came, the pouring out, the drenching, the filling, the anointing of the Holy Spirit on Jesus, on the twelve, on Paul, on, the, on, the, on, the, on those in Samaria, on the Gentiles, on those in Ephesus. And as Peter says, doesn't he, in, uh, in our kind of verse here, the promise is for you and your children and all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Don't you love it when you kind of find yourself in the, the words of, of Scripture there? We're kind of, we're those that were far off once. Where we were in God's mind. We were in kind of Peter's mind to an extent as he spoke this out. Let no one think this was a, just a, a once-off for a few special people. Please don't misunderstand what, what God's promise has always been, what his expectation has always been, to pour out his Spirit on all flesh. And that is you, if you're a believer in Jesus. And if you're not a believer in Jesus, when you become a believer in Jesus, it's for you. It's for me. It's for everyone, all whom the Lord will call. And just in a moment, we're just going to pray for, for those that, uh, which might be many of us, who want more of the Spirit in our lives, who want to know more of this wonderful dynamic, who want to be filled, maybe for the first time, maybe again and again and again in greater measure, who want more of the power and presence of God. But just to kind of, just to, I'm going to highlight just a few things before we do that. The first is that this coming of the Spirit, not only is it for everybody, but it's, it's experiential. We know that it's happened. The disciples knew when it was time to wait, and they knew when it was time to go. They wasn't any, they weren't looking at each other going, was that the Spirit? Did we receive the Spirit? I'm, I'm not sure. Should we wait? They, they knew the Spirit of God filled them. They knew there was a witness in their spirit that, that they've received this. And so it's something that we know. We, 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 we know we've received the Spirit. Secondly, it's visible to others. Um, Peter saw what happened to the Gentiles. In fact, there's an account, in, an account in Acts 8 where this sorcerer, this worker of kind of mighty kind of magic and, and so on, he sees the spirit given to disciples, to Christians, and he kind of wants to pay money to, I guess, add that to his uh, repertoire. He sees the, the giving of the spirit and the, the way that it changes lives and the, the, the wonderful dynamic that happens and this, this praise and this worship and this overflow that happens. He can see it. It's visible. It's not mysterious and kind of an invi invisible internal thing that we're not sure. We know it. Others can see it. It's also not always automatic upon conversion. Paul needs to ask, did you receive the spirit 
when you believed. Of course, the Spirit's at work in our lives in different ways, but I don't know about you, but when I read these accounts in Acts, my, my expectation rises for more. There's something here of the Spirit, the Spirit coming on Jesus, the Spirit coming upon the Apostle Paul, the Spirit coming upon these different groups of believers and these early kind of disciples. I said, I want that, Lord. You haven't put it here on every page of, uh, of your words here for that not to be for me. I want that. And I know there's a thirst in many of us for more of the presence of God, more of the filling of God's power and presence in us. And it's something we're told to ask for and to seek. It's not always automatic, and it's certainly not unexperiential. Next, it's external. It's externally very verbal. I've already kind of said that it's something that can be seen. But if we look at these accounts, we see how is it seen? Well, often it's seen by, a, by what we say. There's a, the praise was on their lips. There's these miraculous tongues that they were declaring the great things of God in. There was prophecies speaking out the very words of God, declaring his, his goodness and his greatness. There is worship. There's all these things. There's a, a bubbling over that comes out of our mouths. There's uh, all kinds of other wonderful things that happen as well. But it seems to me that's one of the manifestations of the Spirit. That's how they could see the Holy Spirit come on different ones. There was something, there was a change in what they were saying. And it's important we understand it's an overflow because the most special thing that happens in this coming of the Spirit is actually internal to us. It's not, it's not primarily about what happens on the outside. There's something on the inside. There's a sealing of our sonship. You remember that declaration from heaven, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. As the Spirit comes to us, he allows us to, to know with a certainty this relationship that we've been brought into. Our sins have been separated from us, dealt with in the death of Jesus, and now we've been brought into a relationship with God as our heavenly Father. And we know it, we know it, we know it to be true by the Spirit. It's a sealing that happens. God says, yes, that is true. And his Spirit cries with our spirit that we are children of God. And you see, that's where the, the bubbling up come, comes from. They're not kind of trying to say something, or they're not trying to force something. There's something that has happened deep, deep within them, which is causing them to say these things. There's a genuine joy and life that has come to them as the gospel in all its fullness is, is applied to them. It's like, I guess, again, an imperfect analogy, but when you get kind of a... a um, actually, you used to get those, a long time ago, those fizzy pills. Do you remember them? And you pop them in the water. I think it was carbon something or other. Uh, Anyway, don't, don't do the chemistry, but you used to get these pills and you put them in the water and it would make them fizzy and it would make them orange and you'd drink this wonderful kind of fizzy drink. But you, if you kind of chewed on the tablet, it doesn't really taste very nice. There's something that, of the Spirit that allows all the richness and the fullness of the gospel to be, to be dissolved and, and flow through us and affect every part of our life. You see, the Holy Spirit comes and applies the gospel, comes and lets us experience this relationship that Jesus has with his Father from all eternity. And the Spirit comes and brings us into an experience of that relationship that every day we can soak in it and that we can know it. There's something that happens inside us. We're sealed by the Spirit. The Spirit himself witnesses and bears witness with us that we are children of God. I say in just a moment, we're just going to have an opportunity to pray for, for, for different ones. And in doing that, maybe it's helpful just to say a few words about how we receive this gift. And many, many will know, and you almost sometimes do it, do it instinctively, I think. But it's, 
As we get very practical with this, it's good to have a scripture, John 7, uh, 37 to 39, before us. This is where Jesus says, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those whom believed in him were to receive. The Spirit hadn't been poured out then. It's been poured out now. So this, this is helpful for us. Who can be filled? Thirsty believers. That's it. Are you thirsty? You put your trust in Jesus and you can be filled. Maybe you've never experienced a wonderful filling of the Holy Spirit. It's for you right now this morning. Maybe you have. There's more for you this morning. It's something we go on being filled. We're exhorted to go on being filled with the Spirit as the Spirit comes to us and seals us in, inside and applies the riches of the gospel to our lives, emboldens us and empowers us in so many ways. If you're a thirsty believer in Jesus, this is for you. How can I be filled? It just says, Jesus says, come to me and drink. Come to me and drink. We come to Jesus and we ask him, Lord, would you fill us? This is a, I've heard about this gift. Lord, I heard that your gospel comes with batteries included. I've heard this wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit, and I believe it's mine. I believe what you say, that it's for me. And I ask you to fill me with the Spirit right now. We come to Jesus, and we ask, and we drink. And in drinking, this is an important dynamic of the Holy Spirit that we'll find all the time in our walk with the Lord, that it's... There's a, a wonderful partnering together with God. It's not just that we, we don't get taken over by God and he kind of starts like a puppet with strings and controlled. It's relational. It, there's, a, there's a co-working together. So we often find the Spirit begins to move and we step out and the Spirit continues to move and we step out again. And we kind of always feel, find this mixture. Is it me? Is it God? Is it me? Is it God? And the beautiful thing, it's both. Both, as we're partnering with, with God in bringing his kingdom in. And so we can relax into it. We can, we can uh, often we begin to speak out. It's different for different people, but my experience was that sometimes I was a bit locked up, waiting for God to kind of sweep me off my feet. Indeed, as it seemed happened in those early days and with the disciples. And that can happen. And wonderfully, it does at times. But at other times, there's a, a sense, and I, I found real fruit in this, that as I begin to respond to what God was doing in me, rather than always focusing on what he wasn't and what I imagined it would be, as I began to respond to, to just the Holy Spirit began to move in me and, and give me a sense of God's love for me. And I began to receive that and accept that and delight in that. I found there was more, and I found there was more. And aren't there passages in the Bible that encourage us to go in ankle deep, to go in a little deeper, and to go in a little deeper? The, the Lord, he, he, he wants to fill you and saturate with his, with his Spirit. Don't be thinking about how it's happened for somebody else. It's for you. Receive it in the way that the Lord has for you and thank him for it. And go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And as I say, often it might be just beginning to express your love and uh, delight in the Lord. Maybe it's just in, in, your, in human words to say, Father, thank you for your love and your kindness to me. And even as you say it, the Spirit begins to warm that and apply that to your heart. And you'll find it grows. And you begin to bubble over more. And 
overflow in worship. And you might find as we pray for you in just a moment that you begin to express your delight in the Lord and the good things that he's done for you and given you in tongues that you didn't know, that you haven't learned. I'm hopeless at language. I'm so pleased about this gift that I can express myself to God in, in ways that aren't limited by my, my human understanding and, and the language that I know. And I can speak out in rich, almost angelic languages, the good things. My spirit can express itself to the Lord. And that's not always, that's not every time, but it's in different ways, different people, different languages. But just be open to that as the spirit began, begins to move in you, as you begin to be filled with the spirit. Let me encourage you to ask to expect, and then just begin to step out into what the Lord is doing, expecting that he will continue to fill you. So if I could ask the band to come back, we're, gonna, we're not going to rush this. We're going to take a little bit of time over this. It's so important, Will, as we go through this series, we don't just want to hear the words. We, we want the Holy Spirit amongst us. And we can't stress enough. The Bible can't stress enough. This is for everybody. There aren't two categories of Christians, those that are particularly spiritual and those that are not. There aren't two categories of life in which God works in this situation by his spirit and not this situation. This is for everyone in all aspects of our life. But it starts here that we come and that we ask and that we drink and receive and begin to enjoy and bubble over you can do it in your, in your room at home. You can do it in your car on your way back. But there's just a special opportunity, particularly this morning, as we're gathered together in this context of worship, to press in and ask. So why don't you stand with me right now? Healing of the Spirit, baptism of the Spirit, the anointing of the Spirit, the pouring out of the Spirit. I'm going to invite you in just a moment to come forward and join me. I'll be here. I'm kind of first in the queue. We want more of God upon us. And of course, if you want to stay where you are, that's fine too. We will, we will pray for, for everyone who wants to right now. But again, coming forward, there's something that, that is an opportunity to express our thirst. I really, really, really want this. Father, I'm coming forward with an expectation. I'm coming forward with faith. My physical moving is an asking, is a response to your word. I've been stirred. I've heard something. I want to express something. I'm, I'm willing to begin to bubble over and to, to, to receive all that you've got for me. So if the band would just like to maybe just quietly play in the background, let me invite you. Maybe life leaders can come out as well just to be amongst folks. We won't be kind of praying with lots of words. We'll just be praying f- be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. So if that's you, if you're thirsty, if you're a believer in Jesus, if you want to take him up on his promise of the Spirit to fill you, then why don't you come out right now? If we haven't got enough space over here, we will kind of spread out. Come. Jesus says, come. Anyone who's thirsty, come to me and drink. He says to that woman at the well, if you knew the water that I have to offer, if you knew what, I'm, what I've got to give you, you would ask me for a drink and you would never thirst again. Father, many of us thirsty this morning. But we thank you for your wonderful presence among us in so many ways. We prize it. We love it. But it's left us with a thirst for more. And as we've heard your word together, 
faith has risen, an expectation has risen. We dare to believe a bit more even than before, that there's more for us. Father, we're coming thirsty to ask for you. You are the helper. Holy Spirit, you are the helper. You are the counsellor. You are the one who comes alongside. You are the one who comes to bring the very presence of God to us. That you would apply the gospel to our lives. That you would apply forgiveness. That we would know that we're forgiven. We know that we're sons of God. So why not right now in your heart, where you are right now, even, even with your lips, just ask for this wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit. Lord, would you fill me? Lord, would you come to me? Lord, I would, I would like this gift for myself. I love you. I trust you. I turn from my sin. Maybe some even here for the first time. I turn from my sin. I turn to faith in Christ. And now I want the batteries. I want the power. I want the presence of God. The separation of my sin is for this purpose that I might know every day of my life the very presence of God with me. We're asking for that right now, Father. For me, I ask, Lord, that you would fill me with your precious Holy Spirit. Even as you came on Jesus, even as you came on those early believers, Lord, come and fill us. Come and fill us. Lord, we just relax into what you are doing and your promise. We want to work anything up. We trust you. Lord, fill us. Maybe as you begin to, to know and experience and receive something of his sealing and his love for you, something of the excitement, once again, of your salvation, you might begin to put that to words. Thank you, Jesus, for your love for me. I am a child of God. Thank you. I am a child of God. That you love me, that you saved me, that you freed me. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We're going to continue to press in. I don't know if a band can lead us in a, a, a suitable song that will help us ask for the Spirit, that will help us declare the good things of God. We can be a bit reserved at first, but as the Spirit comes, there's a boldness and there's a delight and there's an expectation. We can help one another in this as well. As, as one speaks out, another begins to speak out, and there's a wonderful Holy Spirit hubbub as there was in that, those early days. Father, we love you, we delight in you, we receive your spirit by faith, but wonderfully, this experience of, of your kindness that's come to us, we thank you for it, and we say more in Jesus' name, more boldness, more, more security, Lord, more miracles, more power, more of your voice amongst us more of your presence here as others gathers, gather with us that don't know, Lord, more of you amongst us. Lord, may something be started here that bubbles up, that flows out from this place and flows down our streets and flows into our city and flows across the world. Lord, pour out your Spirit, we ask, in Jesus' name to your glory. And we receive it gladly with faith in Jesus' name. Let's continue to ask and receive and delight in this wonderful gift as this gospel is given to us with the power of God included, essential to it. Let's worship together.